This week on Punch Mountain, a movie set in a future where robots fight wars instead of humans. Now, if they could only invent a robot to put down the toilet seat for my husband, get ready to crash and burn because we're watching Robot Jocks. Punch Mountain starts now. Hello and welcome to Punch Mountain, the podcast where we review action movies one by one to discover the definitive ranking of action movies. Not determined by us, but by the action gods themselves. We don't make the mountain, we just climb it. My name is Mac Blake, and I'm joined as always by my favorite illiterate athlete, David Hada. Yay, me fight good. (laughs) I said illiterate, David. You can't read. You can talk. Talk okay. Be happy be here. (laughs) <laughs> I could do the entire episode talking like an idiot. That's the best. Well, if you rephrase that as talking like Kevin from The Office, David, we could get a, a little bit of an, uh, an office bump. Most Office fans. Looking forward to talking about robot jocks. That's Kevin, okay. right? I'm... That's all right. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, because we're talking about robot jocks, David. And the main character in the movie, I believe his name is Achilles. He is illiterate. He can't read. That's right, but he's not dumb. He's he's very He's smart enough to pilot a fucking robot, so he's doing something, right? Yeah, and it's not like a situation like, oh my God, he can't read, like blindside. It's just like casually tossed aside like, hey, you can't read, right? And he's like, no. He's like, right, cool. But you're right. We're talking about the robot jocks. Not robo jocks. Robot jocks. That's right. J-O-X. Yes, that is right. Now, David, what is your history with robot jocks? Because this was your pick. You thrust this upon us. This was going to be my blue shell pick from our last inventory. This was a movie that I've known since childhood, or I guess known of since childhood. Like, I remember the trailer for this movie playing during cartoons. This is right at home with Peter Pan and the Pirates, whatever was on Fox Kids or in the afternoons. You know, this was a PG movie. This was going to be marketed to kids. I never really thought about it or never revisited it until years later. I was listening to a podcast that was gushing pretty hard about Robot Jocks. So I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot. And I was delighted by it so much so that it stuck with me so much so that I wanted to make it my blue shell pick because in thinking about this movie, I know off the top of my head, at least a couple of mark out moments. And that's a pretty good sign of a movie when you could when off the top of your head, you could pull a couple moms. That's a pretty good sign. I'm not saying there's a plethora of moms in this movie, but uh, I, I was looking forward to sharing this with an audience and sharing this with you, Mac. Blake, do you have a history with Robot Jocks? No, no history. I've never heard of this movie before. And one of the most stunning things to me about this movie is that it was released in 1990 mm-hmm. is when it hit theaters, which blows my mind because, David, this movie is about people that pilot mechs, right? Like giant robots, like uh, your modern day Gundams or uh, your Pacific Rim Jaegers. And the special effects in this movie, for the most part, are, you know, like that stop motion animation. There's also some like models and and then a couple shots that felt to me like guys in suits. Was that, is that accurate? Yes, I'd, I'd say so. Yeah. And this movie visually, I mean, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun things to like about this movie, but it feels like 1985 or something like that. I mean, which is not crazy because apparently the filming was wrapped in 1987 and so they couldn't release until 1990. But the top grossing movie in 1991 was Terminator 2. And this movie feels as far away from Terminator 2 as like the N64 feels away from, I don't know, PlayStation 5, right? But then I was thinking about Terminator 2, and Terminator 2 uses a lot of practical effects. And I don't, I know that Terminator 1 had like some stop motion in it. I don't know if T2 had any now that I think about it. But David, just overall, when you were a kid and you saw a movie with like stop motion animation, what was your thinking about it? I was always impressed by it because I didn't 
you know, up to a certain age, I didn't really know what caused that style, if that makes sense. Like, I knew Clash of the Titans and Jason and the Argonauts and that sort of herky-jerky Ray Harryhausen style, but I didn't know that it was stop motion. I didn't know that someone was taking a photograph of it, doing 23 more of those. That's going to be a second, you know, and, and just doing that over and over again. You can't help but be impressed by it. I remember you seemed smitten with the stop motion in RoboCop 2, now that we talk about it. Well, I, I definitely uh, was and am smitten by that stop motion animation. And I now love it. But when I was a kid, I fucking hated it. Because it reminded me, did you ever watch like a cartoon and like uh, the DuckTales, right? They're in a cave. They're probably smoking meth. And then you see like one stalactite in the background is different color than all the rest. And then that's the stalactite that falls on them. It's like, yeah, because the rest of the background is a painting and that stalactite is the one that is going to be animated. So we we drew it on top of the background, right? For for some reason as a kid, I was like, oh, that that's the one that's going to fall. Why don't they do a better job? And this kind of like herky-jerky stop motion animation, whenever it was like mixed with reality, I don't know why I hated it when I was a kid. It like really bothered me, stuck out with it like, like a sore thumb. And then, oddly enough, there was this movie by Roman Coppola, the forgotten Coppola, called CQ, which was, it was like a French New Wave kind of uh, director. And he was directing a film that was very much like Barbarella and, you know, kind of a movie within a movie. The fictional Barbarella of that movie, you know, like she was on the moon and it was like snowing and all this stuff, which, I, I, wait, was that CQ or actual Barbarella? I don't remember. <laughs> but I remember for some reason at that moment, and maybe because this movie was very like arty and indie or whatever that I was like, Oh, you know what? There is a charm to old special effects, which I don't know why that's something I needed to learn and didn't just get. But now whenever I see it, I love it. Like just the, like uh, the Phil Tippett stuff, right? I think he was the guy behind the animation for RoboCop two. And also, um, did he do Howard the Duck? That sounds familiar, but I feel like every name was attached to Howard the Duck at some point. Howard the Duck is a terrible movie, but at the at the end when uh, Howard meets some interdimensional monsters, the stop motion animation I think is gorgeous. It feels like the zenith of that uh, technique. It's just amazing. But yeah, and so I, I was definitely smitten with the special effects in this movie. I found them very endearing. This movie, for better or for worse, Robot Jocks, feels like a movie your friends made. You're like, oh, wow, my friends actually made this movie like in their backyard on the weekends in the summertime. But at the same time, it also feels like a movie you're just my fucking friends made. Uh, so, yeah, it's not great. But is it fun? Yes. Wow. Are we going to talk more about it? We sure are. But wait, so you remember this movie getting released in theaters? Like you saw ads for this thing on, on TV? Yeah, I remember the trailer like robot jocks like that announcer voice is just, it's burned into my brain. It's an earworm. It just exists on its own, independent of the trailer. It's it's crazy, yeah. I just can't imagine this being released in theaters because summer 89 was like the first summer I remember being like a summer movie season because that was Batman, that was Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade and Ghostbusters 2. And just for some reason as a kid, I was like, oh, this summer's important. <laughs> and so the idea that this movie came out after that, I just can't, it just doesn't fit in, in my brain. It's really weird. But like you said, you know, it is this, it's the little movie that could because there's a charm to the effects. There's a charm to just the entire production of it. And you're like, wow, they really did a lot with $2 million. And then you find out the budget was upwards of $10 million, And you're like, this movie kind of sucks. Yeah, you're right. It's a little movie that could. And then in a lot of cases, it's a little movie that did not even try. <laughs> David, before we go any farther, I think it would help to clear up some common questions. 
If you search robot jocks on Google, the results include porn. No, the results include these frequently asked questions. So we'll do some quickly provided answers. David, is Robot Wars a sequel to Robot Jocks? Grandma, please don't buy Robot Wars. They're just wanting to take your social security number. Mac, is Robot Jocks streaming anywhere? Yes, it's streaming everywhere. You, listener, can stream it on your own service. Make a platform and Robot Jocks will just magically pop up. No one wants it. David, what is the movie Robot Jocks about? It's about friendship, Mac, and friendship is rare. Do you know what I'm saying to you? Friendship is rare. Oh, look, there's a bear. But your life's in great danger. But I don't even care along those lines. That's correct. Mac, who played Athena in Robot Jocks? Well, in some shots, of course, she was stop motion. In other shots, she was, of course, portrayed by uh, Hollywood's only motion capture artist, Mr. Andy Serkis. Hey, David, before we journey to the post-apocalypse to witness the struggle of a mech pilot named Achilles, let's stay in the semi-apocalypse where two friends struggle to order, quote-unquote, the right thing at Achilles. It's us, David. It's a friendship check-in. David Hada, how are you? Well, that's not true. It's a buffalo chicken sandwich and Southwest egg rolls. Yeah, but what do I feel like right now? You know what I mean? Like, uh, am I going to... They, they really bred those things to the, the fucking moon, those chicken sandwiches. My mood meets me there because whatever mood I'm in, I'm like, oh, it's nothing a buffalo chicken sandwich and some Southwest egg rolls can't fix. The last time I ate at a Chili's, I think you might have been there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember we got some like queso or whatever. Does Chili's call queso queso? Or is it like hot cheese dip or something stupid? But I, I remember the little like uh, kettle or whatever it's served in, that pan. Oh, sure. The pan had a little uh, pan koozie on the handle so you wouldn't grab a hot handle. And the pan koozie was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's like, was this used to mop up someone's bullet wound? This is, uh, uh, there, there are things growing on here. I think that was an April Fool's prank where they just, they throw that koozie on the floor. And they're like, oh no, someone threw up. Oh, well, you got me. But David Hada, how are you doing besides uh, just, you know, full of uh, Southwest egg rolls? Have you seen any good movies or read any good books or played any good Vigia games lately? Oh, you know what? I saw I saw Barbarian the other day and I meant to talk to you oh. about that. Yeah, I enjoyed that quite a bit. I, I'm doing one of those really annoying things where I'm like, oh, you know what? I, I'm not I'm not into horror these days. I just don't have the stomach for it. But I, I think I'm just not in the mood for garbage horror. Like there's still, if you make a good movie, I'm still going to be captivated by it. And Barbarian was a very good movie. I enjoyed the heck out of it. So Barbarian, not to give too much away, does have a tonal shift in the middle of the film. Did you know anything about that going in? I did not. I went in ice cold, I think on your advice, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, but yeah, I thought Barbarian was great. It was it was fun and had some moments that made me really go, so uh, <laughs> it, was, it was one of my favorite movies of 2022. Yeah, that's going to be my corner. So how are you doing, Mac Blake? David, well, we recently lost Treat Williams. He died, and people were pouring out their Treat Williams memories on the internet. Uh, somebody shared a clip of, I think it's movie Dead Heat, and it's a clip I've I've seen almost as much as I've seen the fight scene from Yes, Madam shared, just without context. And it's Treat Williams, who's some sort of like undead cop, I think, having a gunfight with somebody else. Treat Williams, you know, he just is taking all these bullets because he's already dead, and so it's a very funny scene, and it does make me want to watch the rest of the movie. However, do you know who the second star of that movie is? That's going to be Joe Piscopo, isn't it? That is correct. Strangely enough, I always find something else to do. <laughs> but somebody shared this clip, and they're like, man, if you haven't watched Tree Williams and, and Dead Heat, check it out. This scene edited by, quote-unquote, the god of action editing, Mark Goldblatt. Now, David, I don't pretend to be an action movie expert, right? I'm an action movie enthusiast, so I don't claim to know it all. So when I see something like God of Action Movie Editing Mark Goldblatt. I get excited, right? Like, I don't know who this dude is. What, who, you know, I want to learn more. Is is this person an editor uh, who's made their mark in action movies? And David, I looked up 
their IMDb profile. And here is some movies that Mark Goldblatt edited. Terminator, Rambo First Blood Part 2, Commando, Predator 2, T2 Judgment Day, Last Boy Scout, Super Mario Brothers, okay. True Lies, Starship Troopers, Armageddon, Bad Boys 2, Triple X State of the Union, whoa. But David, and then you get to later on in his resume, in 2015, David, Mark Goldblatt was the editor of a little film called Chappie. Yay! <laughs> Chappie! Chappie! Oh, Chappie. Uh, you know, <laughs> just when I thought we were done talking about Chappie. Yeah. Oh, no, Gran Turismo's coming out soon. We're going to get some Neil Blomkamp redemption. I, I saw the trailer for that thing, and I was like, this is not what I expected it to be. I was I was kind of interested, yeah. I'm very excited about it. I thought it was going to be something like Cars, where like, uh, you know, the, the, the cars come to life. But no, it's a, it's not even about video games. Well, I mean, it sort of is. So yeah, I'm going to keep an eye out for more Mark Goldblatt projects. However, David, listed on IMDb here, is not that movie Dead Heat, which is interesting. Mm. Although he did get an additional editing by credit on the SpongeBob movie, colon, Sponge Out of Water. Good, I'm glad he's still getting work. Well, David, speaking of sponges, is it time to soak up this movie Robot Jacks? Mac, go fill up a tube with some sample. We're going in. A tube with some sample? Some sample to make the tube, the tubies, the test tube babies. Oh, gross. Forgot about that momentarily. This movie is, it, it, this movie is robots and samples in my memory. All right, David, for people that have not seen this movie, which I think is probably everyone on Earth except you, just to bring those people up to speed, David, could you give a back-of-the-box description for this movie? You bet I can. Robot jocks. The massive killing machines of the future. Driven from the inside by the world's greatest warriors, the incredible robot gladiators use their awesome size and computer weapons to fight each other to the death. Achilles is our country's mightiest fighter. Now he faces the three most dangerous challenges of his life. He must attempt to crush his undefeated rival, the powerful Alexander, and try to uncover a traitor who is leaking top-secret information to the enemy. But his greatest battle will be against his teammate Athena, a woman warrior bred to fight, who will stop at nothing to take his place. I don't like this. <laughs> Climb in the cockpit of a giant killer robot and take on the enemy in the war of the future. It's a clash of metal and minds for guts and glory, and the winner takes all. 1990, 84 minutes, directed by Stuart Gordon, rated PG. That P, there's, oh my God, that PG rating blows my mind because some dude gets his mind blown out of his head by a gun in this film. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Turns out that the version that's on streaming now, like the digital version that you could get anywhere, that is the international version. So that's what oh. all the other countries are. So it's, it's kind of a gray market PG. Okay, so it's kind of like that movie Tammy and the T-Rex which when edited for U.S. audiences was like a kid's movie, but for international audiences, you see the T-Rex's dick uh, and it's very erect. So David, it says that Achilles has got to do his uh, three most dangerous challenges. He must attempt to crush his undefeated rival, the powerful Alexander Check. Two, try to uncover a traitor. No, he, sh he sure doesn't give a shit about that. And then his greatest battle will be against his teammate Athena. I don't know. But the who will stop at nothing to take his place? I mean, that's kind of true to a degree but uh, there's something about that which has a little bit of like a these immigrants are after our jams kind of like vibe to it that i do not appreciate the writer of this failed the book report because it starts off the thing that got me first of all was robot jocks the massive killing machines of the future no they're not although there's kind of a spoiler but like they're just fighting each other they kill the pilot at most and that's it yeah, and they really even shouldn't kill. I mean, that's kind of a gray area there, as we're going to find out right away. How's this movie start, David? 
Mac, this movie starts in post-apocalyptic Siberia, 50 years after the nuclear holocaust almost destroyed mankind. What about womankind, David? Are they doing okay? Yeah, they're doing fine. War is outlawed and all global disputes are settled between giant human-powered robots. After the vaguely American market jock Hercules is defeated and then murdered by the vaguely Russian Confederation jock Alexander, played by Paul Koslow, it's up to the last human-born jock Achilles, played by Gary Graham, to end Alexander's win streak or else leave it up to the no-good tubies like Athena, played by Anne-Marie Johnson. So I think I might have uh, added the phrase human-powered robots, which is not true. The humans are not there like running in a hamster wheel powering the robots. They're just piloting them. But David, so I used the phrase uh, tubies. Now, David, I watched this movie on Tubi. Is that what you're referring to? No, Mac. This is going to be a reference to the test tube babies who grow up to be mighty warriors. It's going to be this derogatory slang. Mac, I love insults. That are just variations of descriptors like, hey man, you got weird shoes. Hey, guess what, Shoesy? <laughs> That's your name for the rest of the day. That seems like it could have been a hot Newsy sequel. Shoesies. We'll get to more of the, the Tubi talk in a second. And again, not the, uh, the, the shitty streaming platform. Minimal commercials on Tubi. So I'm happy with that. <laughs> I, like, I do appreciate it. But this is going to start off, it's going to start off like a TV movie, really. Like a TV movie version of a community play. You're going to get this pan across this desolate wasteland which is really just just like a play set with ash covering it and then uh, you're just gonna see this like robot leg come down and stomp and that's how you know you're in robot jocks yeah instead of being like hey let's just blow the roof off the place with some kick-ass opening film graphics they're like no just <laughs> just a hint at one a robot leg david this description of like the um, the current situation with like oh war is outlawed and then there's a group of you know, whatever nations, I guess, called the Confed. I it lost me so fast. <laughs> I'm I'm really hoping that you can piece it together. So the idea that I get is that Russia and the U.S. I guess had a, some sort of nuclear war, and now the world is divided up into communism and capitalism. Is that kind of the vibe you get? That is absolutely. I think you've got it right. And what is the the Russian group are called like the Confederates or Confederation? What is the America? Is it called so-called America? No, they're called the market. So I, I guess based on the free market, which we're always rooting for, no matter what. Oh, man, I it's like I didn't watch this movie. Now, before we go any farther, the names of the actors in this movie, David, have you seen any of these people in anything else? I've seen the lead. I've seen Achilles, Gary Graham. He was the James Caan in the Alien Nation TV series. He was the. The oh, cop. wow. Yeah, yeah, I remember that because I was home on Friday nights. I remember when I first got the Fox Network <laughs> that was on. As a kid, I remember being like, why? Who who wants this? <laughs> <laughs> but no, other than that, this is going to be a very sparse cast in terms of star power. I think Anne-Marie Johnson, you probably know her from I'm Gonna Get You Sucker and In the Heat of the Night if you watch that on syndication. Uh, I don't and I didn't. So yeah, we see Alexander beat Hercules. And like, I don't the referees of those robot battle pop up and like, Alexander, you win. You can go home right now. You've already won. You don't have to murder him. And Alexander's like, I choose to murder. And he like squashes Hercules, which I guess is allowed in the, the robot jocks uh, combat rules. So I think that's allowed because, you know, war is going to have casualties. But how is Alexander not disqualified? I feel like the rules of the game don't allow for you to murder someone after the verdict has been given down. It's kind of like if there was a boxing fight and or UFC, and afterwards the ref is like, okay, uh, you know, you win over here. Now the loser, you know, do whatever you want. <laughs> like, <laughs> we look the other way. It just, it feels... 
But you know what? I guess that's the, it's like the Hunger Games, David. The only thing that will replace a war, uh, you know, large-scale war is a small-scale war, right? We, we need that brutality. And if we can't get it by killing each other, then the, these robot jocks will have to do. But David, watching this fight, Achilles, right? Gary Graham. He's like the hot shot. He's like on a, got a hot win streak. You can tell because he's still alive. Uh, we also meet the brains behind the operation of the robot jocks, which is Dr. Matsumoto, played by Danny Kamikona. Is that how you would say that? I'd say that, yeah. And then uh, he's, it's kind of funny, David. I don't know if you remember last section here, how there's like a cartoon character in it. It's kind of the same thing. <laughs> this guy, <laughs> Tex, which is Achilles' trainer. Tex played by Michael Aldridge. There's no way that this character knows a fucking thing about anything. The entire time he's just like, yeah, damn near robot jacks, yuck, yuck, yuck. I'll admit, David, when I saw this guy, I was could not be more jealous. <laughs> Seriously, the role of like a Southern cowboy hat wearing guy in like a robot movie. I mean, I could do that. Please. Okay, look, if you're casting, here's my audition real quick. I'll just I'll just nail off a couple, okay? Mm-hmm. This could be like a kaiju one, all right? Oh no, that that them there Mothra's attacking San Francisco. <laughs> we gotta take him out. Okay, there's that one. And then here's the one where it's like maybe I'm training uh, like a robot boxer, like Real Steel, the series or something. Oh no, that robot's getting the upper hand. Reach inside, find the power within yourself. There you go. This is just two right off the bat. Feel free to you know use those, or if you want to animate them, our audience, just go for it. That's pretty good. I'm glad you brought that up because doing some research, the Wikipedia is the IMDb's. The two writers on this one, it's going to be Stuart Gordon has a story and he's going to direct it. And then Joe Haldeman is going to be the one who did the lion's share of the writing. They clashed on what they wanted this to be. Joe Haldeman wanted this to be like a science fiction movie, dark, dystopian, that sort of thing. Stuart Gordon wanted a kid's movie. So he wanted broad, almost stereotype characters. So that's what you get with Matsumoto and Tex. It's basically like you said, it's like Splinter and Twinkie the Kid are in this movie and you get to enjoy them for 84 minutes. Yeah, the description I saw was the writer was like, let's make a movie for adults that kids can watch, but the director wanted to make a kid's movie. It it said the studio sided with the writer. Well, not that hard. I guess the damage was already done. (laughs) But David, Alex has supposedly killed nine opponents in a row, right? Yeah, okay. So I need to understand the logistics of the robot jocks as fighting, or I guess as conflict resolution, because... Alexander has won nine matches in a row. So presumably he's killed nine opponents in a row. That seems that seems to be what he does at the, at the end of each match. So he's going to go up against Achilles, who has also won his last nine matches, presumably to the death. So how often are these disputes happening and over what? Because if this is how they resolve conflicts, but like they're running out of jocks. Achilles is the last human born jock. So what, are they just blowing through people? Yeah, I don't know because the next fight is over who gets Alaska. And then if, let's say, the Russians or the Confederates get Alaska, then are we done with this fucking robot fighting? Or they're like, we're moving on Missouri now. It, it seems like if you're actually fighting for something, you know, let's say two robots are fighting, David, over who gets the United States. And then, like, are, are we, the entire country, supposed to be like, well, that one robot lost. All hail our new Russian masters. It's not going to work that way. Picking apart this logic of the movie, we're going to get stuck here all day. So it's it's a weird thing because there's so many like flaws or weird things that are confusing. I, I don't know if we can make sense of them. But speaking of David, later in the movie, Achilles says that he has 300 kills. But again, he's talking about how he fulfilled a contract with only 10 fights. 
Is he just bragging about, is he just like Ted Bundying people out there in the wild? <laughs> oh yeah, these might be free range. He, these might not be sanctioned. But they talk about Achilles as being the last human-born robot jocks pilot because this next generation of people training to be robot jocks operators are tubies, aka people that are were born, you know, from test tubes, right? Which I was like, oh, it's kind of like Blade Runner because someone I think even calls them manufactured humans. The thing with Blade Runner, David, is those uh, people are they come out as adults, whereas I get the feeling that these test tubies were just raised uh, from children and now they're adults now, right? I get the sense that they were, right, raised from children, bred to be warriors. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't get why this is like special. Like these people got to be like, oh, these damn tubies or whatever. It's like they're, they're humans, yo. They have the same emotions. Their memories are real. They were kids and now they're adults. Shut the fuck up. Well, okay, see, they don't exactly have the same feelings that humans do. Okay, we can't unravel this. This is going to get away too. <laughs> oh, okay, so they they are not set up the same way as humans. When you say they're bred to be fighters, there's like something, uh, their humanity is somehow less than, is, is that what you're saying? Right, they're bred to be victorious at the cost of all else. And in fact, we'll go ahead and talk more about this when there's a conversation coming up about a certain tragedy that happens yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna get introduced to the tubies. We're gonna find them training with Achilles. This is okay. This is some good low budget action. It's not even action. It's just watching people work out, and I'm completely fine with it. But one of the tubies is gonna get a wild hair, and he's gonna want to challenge Achilles, and he's gonna give him a cheap shot. But thankfully, Achilles is up to the task. This is all not terribly necessary. It's really just to listen to Achilles and Tex watch and then badmouth the tubies while they're around. Yeah, and then there's some older lady who's like the uh, Nobel Prize winning geneticist who's in charge of the tubies comes up and says something about like, oh, what do you think of these tubies, Achilles? And he's like, uh, are you sure uh, you need to raise all these kids uh, with test tube? Because uh, I can help you out with a little direct deposit, meaning that he would, looking over at Athena, meaning that he would like to uh, jizz inside uh, somebody. David, the main character in this movie, I don't know if I've ever hated a main character faster <laughs> than in Robot Jocks. It's tough to try to convince people to like hang in there. To like, no, 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 he's going to get better. Because even at the end of the movie, you're like, did he really get better? Like, what are, what are we rooting for here? No, uh, unfortunately, Achilles does suck. He, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he sucks. But I'll tell you who doesn't suck. Professor Laplace, I want to give her a special mention here. That's going to be the Nobel Prize winning professor. She's played by Hilary Mason. She looks like a wise bird in a cartoon. So I enjoyed seeing her on screen for the rest of the movie. But David, the people of the future, they're fucking pumped because, you know, USA, USA, enough of this shit talking Alexander because here comes our boy Achilles. He's going to show Alexander what's what. Because, David, it's time for Robo Showdown number one. Achilles. Versus. Alexander. Fight. That's right. It's a close battle between the two veteran jocks, and the crowd is really into it until they're under it. After some 300 bleacher bums are crushed to death by a fallen robot, the match is declared a draw, and a rematch is scheduled to settle control of Alaska once and for all. But Achilles fought his contract to 10 fights, and he wants out. A decision that confuses and frustrates his colleagues and enemies. Now it's time for the age of tubies to begin. Let's talk about this robot fight, Achilles versus Alexander. This fight's over pretty quick. <laughs> this fight's over super quick. It really is just to get the 10th fight out of the way so that Achilles can be done with his contract. We don't spend a ton of time with it. Yeah, and in the lead up, there's talk about how, you know, being a proper robot jocks pilot, sure, it's training, but there's also a lot of luck because, hey, Achilles just won a fight 
by lasering a dude in the exact right spot. There's no way he should have won that, but it was luck. But also plaguing the robot jocks program, David, is uh, espionage. Somehow the Confederates are finding out all the secrets about robot jocks' battle plans, etc. But it looks like Achilles is going to win this fight. And then, what's his face? Alexander. He launches like a fist, like a fist rocket. And it looks like it's going right into the bleachers. Which, David, of course, the biggest question of this is, why were there fucking bleachers? What do you mean? What else is there to do in this post-apocalypse besides go watch this? You're telling me people, like, now wouldn't go watch this? Well, David, there's people that go watch NASCAR, but they're behind, like, some fencing, right? They're not just, like, sitting, like, uh, a foot away from the track, uh, catching a tire as it just obliterates their bodies or whatever. Achilles is like, oh, no. I'm going to do a heroic thing and jump in front of this robot fist and my robot jocks will take the damage. I'll possibly get hurt, but I'll save these people. But David, that does not happen. What happens is the fist knocks over Achilles' giant mecha and the mecha crashes into the uh, bleachers. And what might have been like a small accident is now a ginormous accident and 300 people die. Yes. The the road to hell for 300 people is paved with the good intentions of Achilles. This is going to be my first markout moment because I remember the first time I was watching this movie, I wasn't expecting this. I didn't know what the plot of this movie was. I just thought it was robot jocks. So to see a massacre on this level, to see it executed the way it was, because, you know, there's also a lot of like shot reaction shots of Achilles climbing out of his mech and then looking down at the spectators they're all looking up at him like why like how could you oh this is so good mac i marked out i mean the comparisons to pacific rim you know it's not surprising like imagine the beginning of the movie when uh raleigh or whatever his name is oh god charlie hunnam's character when his brother dies imagine instead of his brother he like took out entire high school football game right just it would be a different movie at that point but david leading up to this fight Tex, he's ready for it, right? When when it's going, he's because he's the man in the chair. He's going to be talking strategy. But the thing I love about Tex, there's no small emotions with him. Like even in the lead up to the match between Achilles and Alexander. So like you said, there's going to be a little bit of a tour of the facilities before the fight starts. Tex is going to be walking the tubies through. And they're talking about espionage. Already, Tex is starting to sweat. Like very obviously, eyes big, very shifty. And then a moment later, he's joking with Achilles, and Achilles cracks some dumb monotone joke. But Tex is just pointing his thumb at Achilles, like, get a load of this guy. Nothing <laughs> small with Tex. I loved it so much. Yeah, Tex is fucking stupid. But you know what? <laughs> this movie needed a fucking stupid character. So I also, I'm a big fan of Tex. Yeah. But we're also going to get a, a quick glimpse before they get massacred. We're going to get a quick glimpse of the community surrounding the world of robot jocks. Uh, we're going to get a shot of, you know, some people in the neighborhood watching a community television and then placing their bets on the robot jocks battle. So this movie incorrectly predicted that communities would have no problem wearing masks. But it made me wonder, Mac, it, can you think of things in like current future movies that they're getting right about the future or getting right about a dystopia or getting wrong about? Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, whenever they show future fashion in movies and, and even this one because this one kind of has like a unitarian look to it almost like a commune look where everyone's kind of dressed in these like drab colors and not really necessarily making any fashion choices 
they never seem to show dumb t-shirts in the future. I mean, when you're walking around, David, how many dumb t-shirts do you see? I saw on Twitter some dude was wearing a shirt that said, Girth Matters. <laughs> I was just like, oh, fuck, what the fuck does that mean? Oh, he was a bigger he was a bigger dude, and I guess he was trying to imply that his, his dick is fat? I don't know. That's not even a play on words. <laughs> it's not. See, exactly. Where is Where are the dumb shirts of the future? Like in Robot Jocks, some guy should have been wearing a shirt that's like, Big Johnson Robot Jocks. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or shirts that like, Big Johnson Robot Jocks locksmith agency where it's like locks cocks and jacks or something i don't know it it hurts it hurt me to say that david you know i'll I'll tell you what looper was really good about the way it retrofitted its technology like i remember the cars being kind of recent cars but just being updated to look futuristic it's like because not everybody's gonna be able to afford a brand new car as soon as they come out they're gonna be able to like piece it together as emission standards change or whatever i remember being very impressed with Looper for getting something like that right. Yeah, that is funny, David, because I remember in RoboCop and RoboCop 2, future is like the 1980s with like six new inventions. Between like <laughs> 1980s and like the 2040s, I think when the movie takes place, like uh, cars are slightly different. That's about it. There's more video phone calls, I think. I think, and then everything else is the same. In the future, according to RoboCop, there are not bigger TVs. People just have more TVs. Like instead of like a flat screen, like no, 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 they just have uh, like three TVs next to each other. That's what people in the future want. But Mac, you know, for the most part, this movie doesn't care about accuracy. It's I the only thing I like about what this movie does in terms of like production values is everything makes sense to the world or I guess to the filmmaker. The tunnel leading up to getting into the Mac, it's just a hallway. It's a corridor covered with like plastic sheeting over the walls. You know, how much did that cost? $400 to shoot? But it makes sense to the world. It's like, well, you know, you need the plastic sheeting for cleanliness reasons or sanitation reasons. But this movie gets it done. You know, I think when we were watching Pacific Rim, I might have criticized GDT, Guillermo del Toro, for almost having like too many ideas. Do you really need to control these giant Jaeger robots with this weird drift mental link thing? Which I don't know if I criticize it, but maybe I said it in that same whiny voice I always use. But David, (laughs) this movie doesn't have enough ideas. It really doesn't like think about how these things might work or the effect of these things or care to explain anything. It's like, oh, no, no, it's not it's not explaining anything because it's not talking down to you. It's like, I don't think this movie knows <laughs> you know, like uh, like how exactly these tubies fit into larger society. Uh, I, I don't think the movie, if it's thought about it, it, it sure is keeping it a secret. I remember when we were having the conversation about Gunpowder Milkshake, how it's a very sparse world and how that's kind of neat because it allows the audience to build off of that, you know, to create a universe where the assassins make sense or the diner makes sense or the firm makes sense. But this just leaves a sparse world and no one wants to build anything with it. It's just a shitty Lego set that no one wants to put together. Uh, Yeah. In fact, the director of this movie, when he saw Pacific Rim was like, oh man, totally. If I could have done a sequel to Robot Jocks, it would have been Robot Jocks versus Aliens. And that is exactly fits. Because you watch this movie and you wouldn't be like, Oh, I I put aliens in there, but apparently we could. But it it is the little movie that could. It's so low budget and so low rent. Like even these battle scenes where I can't quite tell what's stop motion. I can't quite tell what's somebody in a suit. I can't quite tell what's trick photography. So it really made me want to track down a director's commentary or a production commentary. Just listen to somebody enthuse about what it took to make this movie. But, you know, I was I was giving credit to Tex because there's no small emotions with Tex. 
I got to give credit to a lot of small people whose names I do not know and will never learn uh, who are in this movie. The announcer is really great. He just has like this, I don't know, somber tone to him that doesn't really befit what he's supposed to be doing. But I'll tell you what, let's give a taste right here where he's uh, he's letting the audience know that uh, that the robot jocks match is is switching gears. Here comes the referee floater. The referees have shut down the long-range weapon systems. No more missiles, cannons, or lasers. Now it's man-to-man. Like, that could have been delivered two dozen different ways. The fact that he de- decided to deliver, like, like a Mike Judge variation was very okay with me. I'm really disappointed, David. Because if this movie was made today, in order to make robot jocks, like, to make it feel more like a, a sport, they would probably use, like, a modern announcer. Like, it'd probably be, like, Joe Buck, right? Talking like Troy Aikman about robot jocks. I mean, this movie easily could have gotten like Jimmy the Greek, right? He's in there. He's talking about how that one robot jock has got an extra muscle in his leg. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I know. He's just terrible, terrible racism against robot jocks. Oh, Jimmy. <laughs> no, he was fucking terrible. Brent, Brent Musburger trying to explain it away. It's all right, everybody. After this terrible incident where 300 people is killed, there's an investigation, right? You know, the robot jocks council is going to look into it. And here we have the ruling of the tribunal. And at some point, they say this. Uh, there are no words to describe this tragedy. Oh, really? Uh, how about, duh? I mean, again, <laughs> these bleachers were so close to robot combat. What did you fucking want? But David, the, the judges here, they're like, uh, it doesn't matter that people died. You know, we don't care. What matters is there was no clear winner. We're going to have a rematch. It's like, oh, my God. These people just do not give a shit. This tribunal is like, yeah, 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 300 people. Boring robot, robots. But the funny thing about that is, so they've, they've taken, you know, the hundreds of thousands of people that die on the battlefields and shrunk it down to robot versus robot. And maybe the pilot dies. And in this case, unfortunately, 300 spectators died. They're still doing okay. Like this, this program is still working out on the positive. I guess so. But also this tribunal, David, is Achilles, right? And Achilles is, you know, he's got beaten up in that last encounter. In fact, his head is bandaged, David, and there is still blood on the bandage? Why? Like, if you're bleeding through a bandage, go fucking change that bandage or get your head sutured up. If this is like a week later, even a day later, and you're still bleeding through the bandage on your head, see a doctor, my guy. But Achilles, he wants out. He, you know, He's done. He's done his 10 fights. And he does not want to fight anymore. But everyone's trying to convince him that, you know, he's in violation of a contract. He needs to finish 10 fights. And even his agent is like telling him, you don't even know how to read your contract. And so Achilles comes back with one of the most brilliant burns or the most brilliant retorts I've ever heard. He says, uh, I can't read, but I'm not dumb. And Mac, that's a checkmate as far as I'm concerned, because like, you're right, but you're also wrong. You're considerably dumb. But if you're not going to recognize that, I, what what good is it? I wrote this down in my notes. I can't read question. Why the fuck not? Look, I understand like you did not get a strong education as a kid. But now that you're an adult and you're a robot jocks, you're not. That's not a 24 hour job. You can learn to read as an adult. There's ways to, to learn to read as an adult, David. Again, it's it's one of those universe builders where perhaps the books got destroyed and like there's nothing to learn to read off because it is a TV and infographics based society. Like even one of the buttons later, they're like, 
Look, look for the button shaped like the sun, and it's this giant sun button. So, David, a lot of the buttons in the cockpit of the, or whatever you call the little pilot chair of the mech, the buttons are marked with origami shapes yeah. that Matsumoto, I guess, made. And at first I was like, what the fuck are these origami things laying around? It just reminded me of like a cluttered desk. And I was like, oh, right, Achilles can't read. And so he made origami. It's just such a weird, like, clunky thing. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so he's Japanese. He would make origami to help Achilles. And you, you hear that and you just go, I guess. Like, it's just... <laughs> But did we, we end up doing a lot of work for some of these movies to explain these plot holes. And I'll be honest with you, even though I do mind, I also never mind. My theory is, is uh, did you ever watch any of The Handmaid's Tale? Uh, no, I did not. Uh, it's not a lot of fun. I mean, <laughs> whether it's good or not, it's uh, it's grim, right? You know, it's we. I talk about how, like, at the end of the day, I want to watch something fun. It's like, oh, this this uh, scene has uh, several sexual assaults in it. I was like, oh, great. Well, then I <laughs> let. <laughs> um, but women in this uh, this new weird religious uh, future are not allowed to read. And in my mind, I I think this is a kind of a similar sort of like class education uh, attainability or an opportunity because Achilles. Let's be honest with him. He's a fucking stud, right? He's a hot, dirty slut. And I don't think hot, dirty sluts like Achilles are allowed to read. They're like, no, you're a piece of ass. You're a robot jocks pilot. He's a uh, young, dumb, and he, he pilots a robot. And so I think, like, why bother with books? You got looks, Achilles. Yeah, I guess. But then also, like... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you guess? That was bullshit, David. <laughs> I just think, like, what's he going to do with reading? Impress any of these chuds? Who cares? There's a world of uh, stories and, and knowledge to be found in books, David books but mac instead let's go get drunk and drown our sorrows so so we're gonna find achilles in the local robot jocks bar it's where everybody hangs out i guess it's in the olympic village and achilles is working his way through the alphabet drink wise so i guess he had like an imperial and then he's gonna have a julep for J. So he A, B, C, D, whatever he's had in the double digits i think by this point. yes and the production quality is if the USA series Silk Stockings tried to make a sci-fi <laughs> show. It is that it is that quality. But David, this whole thing with him, Achilles and his contract, that's not explained either. Like it's like, okay, his contract is up, meaning like his tour of duty. Wait, did he not want to be a robot jocks pilot? Because it seems like he's the biggest celebrity in the world, maybe. It just seems weird that he's like, I did my contract. I mean, obviously he's a little bit like shell-shocked, right? He's a little bit, you know, PTSD after, I don't know, killing 300 people. But the way this contract is talked about, it sounds like he was forced into this, which I was surprising. See, I think everyone in the movie is confused because, like you said, you know, it is a lucrative contract. In fact, people later accuse him of using this ploy as a negotiation to get more money. I think the contract is a non-starter. I think, I think he's just so traumatized by killing 300 people that he doesn't want to fight anymore and he's just using the contract as an excuse and people are calling him on it. He's like, please don't call me on this. I just don't want to fight anymore. So he's going to be getting drunk in the bar. The two bees are going to come quiz him about like, hey, why did you jump in front of that flying fist? Why didn't you just let it hit the spectators? And so Achilles thinks he has him in a gotcha moment. It's like, oh, you would have just let them die. And they're like, yeah, win the match. You're a robot jocks. That's all you're supposed to do. And they're not wrong, Mac. They're not wrong. And I, I guess this is supposed to be a, a signal that these tubies were raised weird. Like they could fuck with their DNA to make them ultimate warriors. 
Uh, but to me, David, it just seemed like, like, oh, yeah, these are Republicans. They totally would be like, yeah, to win, I would gladly uh, let 300 proles die. But Alexander is going to come in. He's going to give Achilles the business. Like, big man, I thought you were going to want to fight me, no? Uh, Mac, wasn't this in Talladega Nights? Does does uh, does the Adam McKay estate owe Robot Jock some money? David, they might because there's something very Talladega Nights later on in this film that we'll talk about as well. <laughs> but you know what? Achilles, to his credit, or I guess Gary Graham, pretty good drunk acting in this moment because he's supposed to be like, he's supposed to be too drunk to fight or even defend himself. And he's just a shell of a man. But his swaying and slurring, that might just be Gary Graham, but it's working in this moment. But Mac, Achilles is going to try to adjust to life as a non-jock and it's not going to go well. Athena, meanwhile, impresses during her training and earns the right to replace Achilles as the jock to take on Alexander, which inspires Achilles to unretire. Achilles begins training for his rematch with Alexander, while Tex and Matsumoto try to uncover a spy in their midst. When Matsumoto deduces Tex is the spy, Tex commits the perfect crime of a staged suicide. Yeah, David, that scene where Tex and Matsumoto and Achilles are talking about a spy and, and what to do about it, it, it's like Matsumoto makes his point and then he makes his point like two more times. There's a lot of that in this movie where the dialogue goes on a couple lines too long. It's like, we get it, we got it, and we're still getting it. You could shut up now. But that, I guess, it, you know, it's 84 minutes when you cut that out and it's like, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at a... A uh, 15 minute movie here, I guess. But not only does it do that, it'll also twist on itself where it'll be like, you see what we're doing here? You see what we're doing here? Or are we? Because like we said, Tex is very obviously the spy. It's a broad character. There's no mystery to it. But at the end of some scenes, they'll do like a close up of Matsumoto with shifty eyes. And you're like, wait, is Matsumoto supposed to... Am I supposed to still think Matsumoto's a spy? What's going on here? Yeah, I don't know. I, I I didn't know what to make of Matsumoto. I was like, is he serious or is he a bad actor? It is hard to tell in this movie. <laughs> but David, we get a glimpse of the world outside of Robot Jack's headquarters. And, oh my God, Achilles, whose real name is, what, Frank or Jim or something? Oh, fuck if I know. I, yeah, I think the, one of the kids asked and he's like, ah, fine, just call me Achilles. But yeah, David, he goes to visit some family. And they live in this disgusting thing called an apartment. Oh, it makes me sick just to, to look Ugh. at it. Yeah, I know. What a, what a grim future. And in this apartment, David, are, I, I don't know if it's his uh, sister or his, his brother, but she's like, yeah, five kids. We got to keep having kids because, uh, you know, for the good of humanity. And there's a lot of signage showing pregnant women around this future city. And it says like prenatal on it. Uh, you know, birth rates are down. And so if you could have a kid, have a bunch but then what are the ads for? So I was confused when I saw the prenatal ad. And then there's an ad immediately after that. And I was hella confused because it's like a pregnant babe. And I'm not pregnant shaming anybody. They're still beautiful in their own way. But like this was like. <laughs> their own way. <laughs> this was like a, like a, uh, what am I trying to say? Like a tool time girl, like a calendar gal. But she had a pregnant belly and I'm like, okay. This really doesn't make sense to me. Does it at least make sense to the movie? Is the movie positing a world where it's trying to make pregnancy sexy and cool and hip oh. in order to get people pregnant? Yeah, I guess so. Because like the way you would see like a bikini babe holding uh, like a sixer of, of Coors. And you're like, yeah, I want to drink Coors and hang out with that bikini babe. Like replace that sixer of cold, wet, sweaty Coors with uh, a pregnant stomach and be like, yeah. 
I want to hang out with that babe, get her knocked up or whatever. Is that a thing that the future, I, I guess we feel like it needs? It's like, oh, I don't know about coming anymore. Uh, <laughs> gross. <laughs> David, with Achilles out of the picture, we got to figure out which one of these tubies has got what it takes to pilot a robot jocks. Wait, are, hold on. Are the robot jocks the robots or the robot jocks the people piloting the robots? The robot jocks are the people piloting the robots. Yes, they okay. are the jocks. By the way, they have like their own little like, catchphrase that they say to each other. Do you, do you know what that catchphrase is, David? Yeah, they've got a, a little hand signal, too. They they bump fists but touch thumbs, if you could picture such a thing. And they say crash and burn. And, Mac, that's going to be my souvenir of the movie. I do enjoy meeting people who know that and will do it. It's a shorthand for, like, okay. It's a shorthand for, like, okay, we can get along for the slightest bit. But in the context of the movie, when you meet a fellow robot jocks, you're like, crash and burn, man. What are you saying to each other? I think it's like break a leg where, you know, if you take that literally, if you're Amelia Bedelia, you go on a rampage. Because they do. Yeah. Like um, in this movie, there's a couple times when characters wish each other luck and they're like, oh, what are you doing? Don't wish me luck. Crashing. Burn. So, David, in order to determine which of these tubies has got what it takes, the they face a challenge in their training called the Rattle Room, which is like a jungle gym. Except they're like, oh, by the way, this jungle gym may kill you. Just be careful. You might die. And the jungle gym shakes. Some of the bars in the jungle gym are hot. Some are like fake bars that disappear. There's not like a tiger in there. What are the other problems with it? <laughs> There's a lube bar. There's one where if you grab it, it'll start to squirt motor oil and you'll lose grip on it. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. But David, there's one uh, Tubi who's like super aggro dude. And we're like, oh, he's the, he's the guy that wanted to challenge Achilles in their dumb sparring session. David, who, who wins this challenge of the Tubies? That's going to be Athena. She's going to be the one to climb to the top of the rattle room. She's going to make it through the red doorway. This is fun. This is very cute. But Mac, the budget was upwards of $10 million, and this is a jungle gym. Like, I'm starting to get concerned. Yeah, at least spend uh, some of that money on Vangelis or something. <laughs> Interesting <laughs> score. But yes, Achilles sees this news on the television that Athena is going to be the next robot jock. And he's like, over my dead body will a fucking girl pilot this robot. Is that what you took? Or is it just specific like, Athena, no, she's way too green. She doesn't understand anything. Or was it the fact that he's like, a woman? I, I, You know, you want to give the character a bit of a doubt that he's not just like, chicks can't fly robots. But I kind of, I felt a little bit of that was in there. No, 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 no. He had feelings for Athena. He was trying to protect her. And it was coming out as this sort of macho thing. So there's a moment later when they're in Achilles' room and he's got her pinned on the bed. This is not going to help my case any. But he's like, don't you get why I did this for you? And he tries to kiss her. Oh, yeah. And he goes, I came back for you. I think my problem there, David, is I did not buy that delivery at all. The acting and the script was so bad and forced that I did not even, I couldn't take that seriously as a character motivation. But I, I guess it's in the script. You're not wrong. Again, if you want to extrapolate this further, so the Tubies are bred to just be jocks. They're just bred to be warriors and not be anything else. So they're not ever going to express feelings of love. So anything that happens is non-consensual. So this whole thing could go off on a flight of fancy if you let it. So I choose not to. But yeah, I'm right there with you. But now that Achilles is back, you know, he, he walks in and he's like, hey, is, uh, can I get my old job back? And like, yes, of course you can. So he's now going to be the pilot again to take on Alexander. And uh, Matsumoto's like, uh, hey, uh, stop by my office or watch a training video or whatever to Achilles. And Tex is like, hey, can I come too? And Matsumoto's like, no. The last thing that happened 
the Ruskies found out about it. Yeah, we were the only three people that knew about it. And Dex is like, that's weird. Yeehaw. <laughs> so we're already laying the groundwork here for Dex being the obvious traitor. See, but I feel like you're not doing this moment justice because it's the reveal of Tex. Where Matsumoto is greeting Achilles. He's like, welcome back. It's good to see you. There's no new weapons briefing. And from behind a wall or some piece of machinery comes Tex line first where he's like, I was wondering about that myself. And it's just like, you're obviously the spy. You're not a very good spy. Every moment you're on screen, you're making the most of it. <laughs> yes. And David, uh, Tex here refers to Matsumoto as a uh, JAP which, wow, cool. Great that we can get some racism in this movie. And and also, I thought we we're one nation now, right? Like, I thought we we're united. Why are we going out of our... Just, ugh, tech sucks. It's funny that this is the 1987 through 1990 idea of diversity where it's like, we've got an Asian guy and an idiot and the rest. I will say this, and I don't know if I'm saying this correctly. It might not even make it into the movie. But in that regard, I did appreciate that all of the tubies were mixed race or they were light-skinned as though to convey a mixing of races. I don't know if I'm even saying that right. I hate that I'm talking about this. No, David, if this show is about one thing, it's about the mixing of races. No, No, I hear what you're saying, David, because it's a tricky thing. I mean, you look at uh, the world's history, you know, with something like eugenics and breeding or whatever. If if it had all been like white people, that would have been a much darker future that they were Mm -hmm. casting. Like, oh, cool, in the future... uh, where scientists are trying to make the perfect white race again. Oh, great, great, great. <laughs> I guess they're like, no, this is not a Nazi thing. We're not, you know, trying to make uh, the perfect Ubermensch. We're just trying to keep humanity alive. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that that's interesting you should say that. Because, uh, I mean, there you go. That's something. That's an idea that this movie has. Good for you, Robo jo- robot jocks. There's a T in there. The fact that this movie had a thought and saw it through is really remarkable. But we're going to get some more lead up to the rematch between Achilles and Alexander. They're going to... We're going to see them back at the bar. Achilles is going to, you know, he's going to see the bartender. He's going to be like, I'm just having a beer. Thanks. I'm in training. And Alexander is going to come in. The trash talking between these two sucks shit. Where like, Alexander, I forget what he says to incite this, but Achilles, his response is, oh, come on, you're making my beer curdle. And then, as though that wasn't bad enough, do you do you remember what Alexander's response was? Uh, tell me again. Remind me. It was something uh, equally stupid. He says, and I'll try to do it in my best Hungarian. You make my drink taste like blood. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? How and why and back to how again? I don't understand that insult. These these guys stink. But David up working in his office, working late on strategy. It's Matsumoto. And then comes Tex, and Tex is like, hey, Matsumoti, uh, how come I wasn't allowed in the new weapons uh, briefing? And he's like, oh, isn't it obvious, Tex? You're a fucking spy, okay? Because uh, the last fight you had, you knew exactly where to shoot that Russian. And there's no way you should have known that. He's like, yeah, I told you it was luck. He's like, there's no luck on earth like that. You're trading information with the fucking uh, Confederates or something. And so once Texas reveals the spy, Matsumoto pulls out a gun on him. Oh, my goodness, David. You're like, oh, no, he's got him. He's got Tex right where he wants him. But Tex, David, is able to get the gun away from him. Just I wrote that in my notes, the lamest gun takeaway. Like in, in that moment, the fact that Tex is able to get the gun from Matsumoto, Matsumoto should have just died from shame and became like a force ghost right there. Just like his clothes fall empty to the ground. This movie should have at least had money for a second take. The fact that Matsumoto pulls a gun, Tex tries to swat the gun out of Matsumoto's hand with his cowboy hat, doesn't really connect. Has to try like two or three times to sort of paw the gun out of Matsumoto's hand and then clumsily reach for the gun. 
This is one of the greatest fights in movie history. I did enjoy it. Dave, there's occasionally, uh, there's parts in movies where you can tell the screenwriter just had like a good day, but it doesn't, doesn't fit. For example, in the movie Deadly Prey, at some point this like minor character we don't give a shit about goes on some rant about how like, uh, you rich guys get away with crimes and it's people like us on the streets dealing with life. We have to keep going. And you're just like, whoa, where the fuck did this come from? There's a line here when Matsumoto's staring down the barrel of a gun and he's pleading texts to remember what it's like to be the text that trained all these robot jocks. And here's a little bit of Matsumoto's uh, pleading speech. I got all the time in the world. You weren't always a spy. There was a time when you were like Achilles, a proud soldier. Yeah. We always remain all the people we've been. The oldest man is a child inside him. Uh -huh. Somewhere inside you, He's a real Tex Conway. You haven't lost him yet. Yeah, whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> it's kind of like these robot jogs are about to fight, and then one of them looks at a sunset, and they're like, you know, the, the first poetry I ever saw was that of a sunrise. You know, it's like, wait, hold on, slow down. <laughs> what the fuck are out of this? Where is this coming from? But I, you, for a second, you think Matsumoto's speech is getting to Tex, David, because Tex takes the gun, and he, he doesn't name it a Matsumoto anymore. He puts it to his own temple. And then he points a gun back at Matsumoto and shoots him in the fucking head. David, the moment where Tex puts a gun to his head, were we supposed to think that he, in the moment, was seriously considering suicide? Or was the character of Tex fucking with Matsumoto? The character of Tex was fucking with Matsumoto. Tex is not going anywhere. Yeah, you know what? You're right, because Tex is super crazy. Because after he shoots Matsumoto, because Matsumoto's like, remember who the real Tex is. And after Tex shoots Matsumoto, he goes over his corpse and he says, uh, hey, yeah, uh, the real Tex here, nice to meet you. If you're getting burns on a corpse you just shot, yeah, you're fucked up. But David, he he calls up and he's like, oh, uh, Matsumoto's a spy. He just committed suicide. Tex shot Matsumoto from like five feet away, three feet at the closest. If uh, like, I, there's no powder burns on the head. Like you could tell if someone had a gun. It's a pretty elaborate suicide. But then this posits a world where there are no ballistics books or autopsy book no one has the education needed to know that this that matsumoto did not kill himself oh this is a dumb world but yes the suicide or execution by tex he shoots matsumoto and then i don't know what you call it though whatever they use to uh, spray blood on the wall behind matsumoto so we definitely get an exit wound blood splatter here in this pg movie which I guess you like. You just said it was the international version. Yeah, this was like a rhubarb mini pie thrown up against the wall. This was this was out of place in a PG movie. Yeah, pretty cool though. I liked it. Oh, me too. But Mac Athena is going to visit Achilles to wish him luck. But wait, she doesn't believe in luck, but she does believe in sedating Achilles and reclaiming her spot, piloting the robot against Alexander. Athena sneaks onto the robot and disables the override. Achilles shows up too late to replace Athena, but just in time to provide support. It's another Rock'em Sock'em Showdown. Alexander versus Athena. Fight. Achilles directs Athena to watch the video Matsumoto was recording, but uh-oh, he ended up recording a confession from Tex, the spy. Yeah, David, when Athena first visits Achilles, this is like, you know, the day of the Achilles-Alexander fight. I wrote down in my notes, please don't fuck, because I <laughs> thought that Athena was going to have sex with Achilles, which did not seem to make sense. Like, she, it's no point did she seem desirous of Achilles. Oh, hold on, we forgot something. So when Achilles got really drunk earlier in the movie, he wakes up back in his room 
naked on a bed and Athena's like on the bed. As soon as he wakes up, he like covers his dong, right? And he's like, did you bring me here? And Athena's like, yes, and I undressed you. It's like, okay, you could have put the blanket over him. Like it, it was a weird move. And he's like, what's going on? She's like, I was studying your body because I wanted to know what makes you so different that you're such a good robot jocks pilot. And the answer is there's nothing. You're nobody. You're just a fucking asshole. Like I'm a bread warrior. But still, that was enough for me to be like, oh, this movie might make them have sex here. And I really do not want it. But then David, I hope you're not sick of betrayals because this is another betrayal. She pulls out a some sort of sedative gun and shoots Achilles. And they have a little fight. I guess you could call this an action set piece. Go sleepy time fight. This fight is pretty lame. One of the things though is at some point Achilles is like thrown into a wall and he rips the wall. And then you can tell behind the wall is the sound stage. It's just like, nah, man, don't don't rip the don't rip the set, you know? You know what? I'm I'm a little lost now that you mentioned it as far as like what I'm supposed to get out of Achilles and Athena because because on the one hand, Achilles is the hero of the movie. We know that he is going to save the day or have the growth or whatever. So is Athena. We're also supposed to be rooting for Athena, but as the back of the box indicated, she'll stop at nothing to get what she wants. When they're fighting on the bed, you know, like I mentioned earlier, this is Achilles reveal that he was doing this for her. You know, he wants to protect her because he's fond of her. He goes in for a kiss. She bites his lip. She kicks him in the nuts. She knees him in the face. She pulls like all the circuits out of his door so he can't get away So I'm enjoying that moment for her, but then also as someone who thought they were rooting for Achilles, am I supposed to not like her? Mac, what's going on here? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is the moment where I was like, oh, Athena should have been the main character of this movie. Like the story of Athena is a lot more interesting than this dude, especially like when he tries to kiss her. I wrote to my notes, super barf. Like this idea of like, I like you, so I'm just going to kiss you. It's just like, yeah, get out of here. We, we, we got uh, four years of that. I'm talking about the White House, David. Trump. While you were saying that, this was starting to click into place that there's a, a lot of what I don't like about this movie is what I don't like about Top Gun Maverick, where it's just like, you don't belong here. This is someone else's story. Yeah, it's, it's if Maverick was also like a sex creep, kind of. And also if Maverick couldn't read. This is like a dumber Top Gun Maverick. This is Bottom Gun Maverick, David. But to this credit, you know... Again, this movie's pulling off impressive affordability, I guess if I can call it that, because Achilles is trapped in his room. He has no way of getting out. Uh, Athena's ripped out the comms and ripped out, you know, the circuitry. But he does have the Sony Watchmen that he uses to lock the door of his car. So he uses that to call his car and the car busts through the wall and he's able to escape that way. I liked it. It was charming. (laughs) But meanwhile, Athena's like, I'm going to get on the mech early. And I'm going to be wearing a helmet with the visor down so no one can tell that I'm not Achilles. And everyone's like, yeah, Achilles, what's up? Hey, Achilles is not answering me. It's like, is there another person inside Achilles' battle suit? And they're like, no, it's all right. And at some moment, like, go get him, Achilles. And they slap Achilles, who they think is Achilles on the butt, but it's Athena, who is shocked to be groped or to be slapped by another man. The idea that she's like, oh, I'll get out to battle without being able to say a word and no one will question me. And of course, her her plan falls apart, but only so much because, yeah, she is able to get her mech outside and start the battle. You know, the people inside good guy headquarters are like, "Uh, hey, can we stop the fight? That's not Achilles. And the referee's like, we don't give a shit. It doesn't fucking matter. Nothing matters. We only want to see robots fight. (laughs) It's seriously like that is the motivating factor behind the governing body of robot jocks. It's like nothing must get in the way of robot jocks. Rule two, if something interferes with rule one, it doesn't fucking matter. See rule one. But again, how am I supposed to feel about Athena? Because the moments where she, where you get close-ups of Anne-Marie Johnson and she's sneaking onto the mech 
and there's a giddiness to her. She's laughing with glee, and I'm enjoying those moments for her. As the rest of the market soldiers realize that that's Athena, and they try to like apprehend her, she pushes away the scaffolding that's holding them all, possibly killing dozens of her comrades. Like, I'm not supposed to like that, am I? I mean, here's a punch up. If that truly is like her mindset, her mentality of win at all costs, I want to see a little bit more blood in terms of her getting out there, like smash some brains, kill some people. Let her truly not give a shit about humanity, that, that victory is her only goal. But Achilles does arrive in the control room wearing, you know, like a shiny bodysuit. He tries to, to stop Athena at first. Oh my God. So... After everyone in the control room has tried everything, the override, the second and third things you try after you try the override, Achilles comes running in. He was able to break out of his room and like a bolt of lightning, he runs in and he's like, you guys, we got to try the override. We got to take over the power. And they're like, yeah, it was the first thing we tried. But the energy and confidence with which he busts into that room. Like, no one thought of it. Like, he's going to save the day, Mac. I laughed out loud. Yeah, Achilles is dumb. You can't read and you're dumb. You did both, buddy. You can have it all. But then Achilles is like, all right, look, let's face reality here. Athena's in there. She's going to have to fight Alexander. Let's help her win. And so he's like, all right, Athena, watch the training video for the new weapon system Matsumoto put in there. Like, like this is as she's walking out, you know, she's inside the, the mech and the mech is walking out to meet Alexander. She's watching his training video, David, but Matsumoto, I, I guess, managed to override his training video with a recording of his death at the hands of Tex. So everyone is watching the scene where Tex murders Matsumoto. The angle doesn't make sense, but who gives a shit? Tex is revealed as the traitor. And so, David, do you think Tex shows an ounce of remorse here? No, absolutely not. Uh, the commissioner, one of the governing body comes in. Tex, I'll see you hang. And Tex's response is, I'll see you in hell. And jumps out of a window, splats to his death. He doesn't care. Let's listen in to Tex's uh, death scene here and his dying words. I'll see you in hell. Get it. So David, as he jumped out the window to his death, he did so happily. In fact, he, as you can hear, he yelled out, Geronimo! <laughs> David, this is my markout moment. I, I <laughs> The way that Tex was so happy to kill himself, Killing himself was one final victory. It was great. Now, David, does this movie ever give one reason for Texas' betrayal? No, it sure didn't. And so here we have the Athena versus Alexander fight in the mechs. And Athena does give the upper hand for a moment. She uses uh, the the new Matsumoto weapon, which is like a, a blinding light. And it looks like she's going to win, right? Alexander quickly recovers. And another thing about Alexander, though, is his mech is a little different from the first time uh, we saw him fight. Yeah, this is going to be some kind of goddamn spider creature. It's going to have four legs in addition to his two robo fists. We'll see them come into play later. Actually, we did see them earlier. They killed 300 people. But this is going to be this new reveal of Alexander's mech. This was cool. And then you cut to Alexander. He's the king of interior acting because he's just in this booth surrounded by circuitry that they got from Radio Shack. The maniacal laughter, the wide eyes. This is what you want selling the movie. Yeah, and there are some features of his mech, which kind of operate like Pacific Rim. Like if he wants his mech to punch uh, another mech, 
he inside the booth or operating room, cockpit, whatever, he raises his fist to punch. It kind of, you know, it's like sort of like a VR thing. And at some point, he's got Athena on the ground and he launches this like jackhammer punch. So it's like punch, 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 really punching her. And David, the uh, the animation here with stop motion animation is terrible. It really is like the lamest little like jackhammer punch. It really does feel like uh, quit hitting yourself. Yeah. It, yes. If you cut inside the cockpit of, they don't even name these robot jocks, by the way. Athena's robot jock. And she's like, Ooh, like she's really bouncing all over the walls. She's taking a beating. But I'll tell you what, I, I do want to give credit to Professor Laplace. That's going to be Hillary Mason. She's going to be the sixth man of this movie with her reactions. In fact, let's play a little bit of her just uh, crying out in terror that someone should save Athena. He's spinning. He's spinning. Stop it. Oh, please. He's getting I love this woman, Mac. Yeah, she really is like, won't somebody please think of the tubies? But David Alexander has a clear advantage on Athena, and he's not going to stop, all right? He's not going to take Uncle for an answer. So what is our hero going to do? Is, he, is Achilles going to watch Athena die? No, Mac. He's going to race to take Athena's place in the robot and finish the unfinished business he has with Alexander. It's our final Robo Showdown. Achilles versus Alexander. Round two. Fight. The two mechs briefly take the fight to outer space before plummeting back down to Earth, where Achilles learns to use Alexander's mighty fists against him. So yes, Alexander's clearly won, and the referees come out on a little like hover platform, and they're like, Alexander, you win. Okay, you clearly won. But now if you don't vacate the battlefield in the next three minutes, you'll be disqualified. I don't know where this rule was earlier in the movie, but here it is. <laughs> and Alexander David, he doesn't give a shit about this battle. So he steps on the referee's hover platform, thus disqualifying him. And Achilles, when he pulls out Athena, who's like dying, and she's like, thank you or something, she uses what little of her strength she has left to kiss Achilles. And I'm like, ah, oh, boo. But then Achilles gets in the cockpit of the robot jocks, and they're like, hey, or he's a robot jock, so I guess it's just his robot. Robot jock central command is like, hey, guess what? Alexander was just disqualified. So you won. We win Alaska. You don't need to fight him. Achilles is like, yes, I do. What the fuck are we doing here, David? Does, does this whole, like, Alexander just gave away Alaska, you know, by fucking around. I thought the, the premise of this was we're fighting for something. Are we fighting for nothing? This is all just tin cup levels of male pride. You're just doing it for your own self-glory. There's no other reason. What bothers me, so as the movie went on, I was making note that I think Achilles' growth throughout this movie is that he realizes that fighting is dumb. <laughs> it's why he doesn't want to fight. He's just like, man... I did that last fight. I almost died. For what? Fucking Alaska? This is stupid. I don't want to do this anymore. So for him to have the motivation to say, oh, I can get back in the mech one last time, even though I am going to mark out here when he makes his declaration, it's just a very simple, I'm going to get this thing and I'm going to kick your ass. I was the audience for that. I marked out. But like, but no, you think fighting is dumb. <laughs> Yeah, and Top Gun Maverick, they're like, hey, guess what, Maverick? You don't own that fucking plane that costs, I don't know, $800 million. But no one in this movie was like, hey, we might need that robot later. Don't don't just destroy it because you're pissed. They, I guess they knew better. Like, Achilles is mad, guys. We just got to let these bros fight it out. They're probably going to hug at the end and be best man at their, uh, their each other's wedding. Achilles then goes to space. And I wrote down in my notes, oh, we can go to space now? This seems out of left field. I'll say this, though. They were doing a lot of things in this final fight 
that you did not see earlier in the movie. And I think what they were trying to do was to make this final fight pretty epic. And so I, I will give him credit for doing a lot of different things. They go to space, they interact up there for a little bit, and then they start coming back down to Earth. But David, there's some footage of the planet Earth, right, as they re-enter the uh, atmosphere here. And Earth looks pretty good. Pretty, like, green hills. <laughs> it's like, uh, is there a nuclear holocaust here, guys? Because looks like we're doing great. What if we find out that they're just in the village and they've just been conducting RoboJocks fights not knowing that the rest of the world is a-okay i hope so i hope so but i'll tell you what you know you mentioned them going into outer space that is kind of robot jocks in a nutshell because it takes a really good idea and only goes halfway with it because like you said you know if i'm if i'm a kid in the theater something's gone horribly wrong in my life but by the time you get to this third act and you see the robot fly into space that's pretty cool but what i would have liked is more combat and less dogfight because they both both the robots get up into space and then Alexander's robot fires away at Achilles' robot and then Achilles' robot goes plummeting back to the ground. Throw some people in some robot-looking suits and have them fist fight out in space like it's a goddamn intergalactic video and then I'm into it. Yeah, sad to say there's definitely more energy in one episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers than there is in these robot jocks fights. It's as cool as a stop motion animation is the fact that we never really got to see like the hand to hand combat with these robots. And that, I feel like that's like the centerpiece of Pacific Rim is when these things get, you know, uh, up close and personal, the, uh, the Jaegers and the Kaiju. And so you don't really get that much in this movie, but when our hero Achilles, robot lands back on earth, it's kind of fucked up. It's kind of damaged, but Oh, I guess it can transform slightly because its legs transform into tank tracks and now it's kind of like a half scooter, half robot. And this is going to be another one of those things where the movie wants you to mark out. The movie wants a kid to be like, holy cow, it's turning into a scooter. And it is cool. But like, Mac, we've seen BattleBots between then and now. Like BattleBots taught us these things are easy to flip. This is not the design that you want it to be. Well, David, it looks like Alexander's not going to have an answer for this. Oh, my bad. He does, David, because his robot's got a chainsaw dick. This is where the movie gets disturbing because Alexander's robot grabs Achilles' robot in what is essentially around the groin area, flips Achilles' robot over, and then out comes a chainsaw penis to thrust at Achilles' robot, slicing him into submission. I stopped my notes. This was like, I'm sorry, what's going on here? I, I'm going to need a clarification on this. My notes say, buzzsaw dick, exclamation mark. And he buzzsaw dicks the other robot. And Achilles is now on foot. He gets out of his robot. He's just like running around on the ground. And then Alexander's robot, he's got some Gatling guns in his nipples or something. And he's firing. And I wrote down my notes. You're just trying to kill him now because you're mad. These dudes just need to take a deep breath. Like, especially like Achilles, like he's running around. He's still like trying to like somehow take down this giant robot. And it's like, dude, you're still so mad that you're trying to kill this guy. Fucking get out of there. But, he, but here's the thing. The movie has the same idea as you as we'll learn here in a little bit. It's just too stupid to meet you halfway. So earlier in the fight, David, there's some sort of like barbed wire robo chain that Athena threw around the arm of Alexander's robot and it cut his arm off. So his arm has just been sitting there this entire fight. David, that's not Alexander's arm. That's Chekhov's arm, specifically Chekhov's fist, because early in the movie, we saw that these fists have like the rocket propelled uh, blasto fists or something. And so Achilles is like, all right, I'm going to go hotwire this fist. 
and use the robot's own fist to kill the robot. David, what movie did this remind you of? All right, so not only has Talladega Nights ripped off Robot Jocks, but now The Incredibles is ripping off Robot Jocks. Max, so this movie, so Robot Jocks ended up bankrupting the production company that put it out, but they can go recoup that with this, uh, with this Incredibles lawsuit. Yeah, this was pretty much the way that the Incredibles beat the giant robot at the end of the first Incredibles movie, which I do wonder if that crossed Brad Bird's mind, where he's just like, oh, I can't wait to read these first reviews. Everyone's going to rip into us as a as a robo, robot jocks ripoff. <laughs> and then the first weekend came and wins. He's like, oh, I think we're safe. Turns out no one saw that movie. Maybe not even Brad Bird saw that movie. I'd be... 100% <laughs> willing to believe they both thought of this idea. You're just waking up in cold sweats. Robot shots. Yeah, they're going to know. They're going to know. But Mac, I don't care what movie steals it. This worked in that it blew up Alexander's robot. This was a satisfying kablooey. It made me wonder how big the actual model was that they were blowing up because in my mind, it could have just been like two feet tall. It could have been a Burning Man type of model, but it went up in flames. Achilles has a delivery of satisfaction. In fact, can we just play it right here? Yeah. And just as a point of reference, can we also play Sideshow Bob hitting a rake? okay so this is going to be my mark out moment mac i really enjoyed that yeah this part makes me uh hope that christopher nolan remakes this movie because you know he would have been like we must actually construct a giant robot and really blow it up that's the only way that i can i cannot (laughs) use cgi for this this must be practically done uh because yeah i want to see a giant gundam get blown up yeah but mac with both robots destroyed Alexander wants to take the fight to the streets, but Achilles says, hey man, give peace a chance. Alexander and Achilles drop their weapons and share a crash and burn of brotherhood. David, you mentioned the movie Talladega Nights, where Sasha Baron Cohen's character is racing in a, you know, in a car against Will Ferrell's character, Ricky Bobby. And at some moment, their cars crash before they can finish the race. And so what do they do? They they just get into a foot race. They just race each yeah, other. Yeah, which is what this movie did. Like, <laughs> when they're like, oh, our robots are destroyed. Let's just hand-to-hand fight. This also felt like Talladega Nights. This is so stupid. It's like, dudes, just calm the fuck down. And then, ah, but David, here's the thing. I can't turn it off. My brain is always like looking for <laughs> some sort of meeting. And I was like, oh no, is this like a World War Four commentary? Because I don't know if you've heard that joke, David. It was like, I don't know how World War Three is going to be fought, but I'll tell you this. World War Four is going to be fought with sticks and stones. This idea that, like, you know, humanity cannot survive another world war. Look at how violent a species we are. This fight is comically slow. It's not like it's Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. It's not like the, it's these two Adonises who are finally getting to, to scrap. It's these middle-aged dudes that really just felt like this thing is playing hard for laughs. And I didn't not enjoy it. It was it was very funny and satisfying. Yeah, there's that famously long fight scene between Keith David and uh, Roddy Roddy Piper and They Live. Imagine that fight scene, but it was like uh, two dudes at uh, rival bowling teams. It's just like exhausted bowling alley fight. It's kind of the feel of this. Achilles is the first guy to come to his senses and be like, stop. What are we doing here? Let's live. Look, we can just live. We don't got to fight anymore. We can live, man. And then, you know, Sting's uh, I Hope Russians Love Their Children 2 came in. No, that does not happen. Uh, that's a weird reference. Alexander, however, he has a rock in the air. And he's like, no, I'm, I must kill you. David, at this moment, I legitimately had the thought, fuck it. Kill him, Alexander. Go ahead and kill Achilles. David, I don't know how many movies we've done. This is, this is episode 33, but we've done 35 total movies. This is the first uh, movie where 
I at the end I was like, nah, fuck it. The protagonist can die. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I I never really warmed up to Achilles. Uh, well, you know, I mean, I never really warmed up to the world because, like, the universe that is built in this movie doesn't really give me anything to root for. So yeah, I, I could see, I could see someone turning sour on Achilles. Yes, but Alexander does not kill Achilles. But what they do though is they fist bump David. And that fist bump means that these guys are now bros. What's that going to mean for this universe? Well, we don't know uh, because this movie can't afford to show you what peace looks like. So it's really just going to be a hard cut right to credits. Nothing else is going to be explored about Robot Jocks. And that is going to be the end of Robot Jocks. All right, David, how many markout moments did you have? How many moms up in this bitch? I had three. I had a, a big smile on my face throughout the whole movie. Perhaps some of it was a gas leak, but uh, I had three markout moments. How about you, Mac? I didn't think I was going to have any, but after Tex showed us what's what by humorously killing himself, I had one very solid markout moment. David, is this someone's favorite movie? This is the favorite movie of someone who owns a video store, someone who, who reached their peak in 1990, 1991, and this just reminds him of the good old days. Uh, yeah, probably that person and just that person. <laughs> All right, David, time for some punch-ups. We're the Ultimate Script Doctors, David. Everybody knows it. How would you fix this movie? How would you punch it up? Mac, my first one, you already mentioned it. Let's make this an Athena movie. Follow the Athena yeah. thread. We don't get to see her as the jock in the in the robot suit or rather we don't get to see her as the jock leading up to the fight so we don't get to see how the community reacts if this is going to be the first to be that they're rooting for this movie could have been a real like jackie robinson kind of movie or you know or had something to say with discrimination or something to say with acceptance but it doesn't it doesn't say anything like that Give this movie to a smarter person. See what they do with Athena and not with Achilles. I totally agree. I would have also liked to have seen uh, and more of an Athena-focused movie. Especially, yeah, getting into the fact that uh, her, her brain's different. Yeah, exactly. That would have been fun to explore. Where's my soundtrack? More specifically, where's my soundtrack moment? Like, one of my markouts was when Achilles stands on the, the mech and he's like, I'm going to get in this thing and I'm going to kick your ass. Where's the, you got the touch. Where's the music that's just going to kick in and like, if you're on the fence about marking out, where's the soundtrack to force you to mark out? You couldn't have got some Boston-based hair metal band to record like, coming at you like a robot jerks. Like that, I feel like you could have uh, gotten that in a weekend, you know? Just come on, man. Pump up the soundtrack. Yeah, pump it up. $10 million budget. My final punch-up, Professor Laplace was my sixth man of the movie. She was really charming. There's a moment early on where she's passing out the cups because she wants uh, she wants specimens from Achilles and from Tech. She wants uh, semen samples to make more tubies. And so I think you made mention of it earlier where Achilles has the remark where he's like, can I just make a direct deposit? What if Laplace is like, all right, big man. Let's go. And then she just starts sucking and fucking. She's like, you weren't expecting this, were you? I'm the throat goat going way back. <laughs> Damn it. She, she takes on Tex. She takes them both on. And like, okay, maybe PG-13 by this point. But like, PG-13? I think there's a dimension there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, David, I had kind of the same punch up, which is this movie feels like a softcore pornography, but there's no softcore sex in it. Put some fucking softcore sex in the thing. I need to see some big old booshes come, you know, just rubbing against each other. <laughs> I don't need to see the genitals. Just some big old boosh. Uh, David, besides uh, some fucking, which I agree with, needs to be in this movie, my other punch up would be only two robot fights? Fucking horse shit. If you can't afford 
to put more robot fights in this movie don't even make this movie. It just doesn't seem worth it currently with the amount of robot fights in it. And the fact that like we only get to see one other robot jock fight and it's just the very end of it, nah, it feels really cheap. This movie just feels like a helicopter flies out of frame and then we see characters reacting like there is an explosion. The movie. <laughs> this movie is... I mean, it sounds stupid, but it is what it is in terms of like budget and scope. But again, I feel like if, man, if you couldn't have put three fights in there, you just shouldn't have made it. All right, Dave, please join me in the Punch Mountain video store. Uh, Dave, we have three copies of Robot Jocks. They were hard to come by. <laughs> I think this might be the only three copies of existence. David, as you know, Punch Mountain is a video store. is an all-action movie video store. So what subsections of action on which shelves would you stock these movies? Okay, my first copy is going to go in, is going to go on direct-to-video action. I know this was released in theaters, but this has the heart of a direct-to-video movie. This has the heart of a tax dodge and money laundering all over it. My second copy is going to go in 80s action. I know this was released in 1990, but it was made throughout most of the 80s. And I think it does capture that spirit of a movie that's just kind of trying to figure out how to make a low-budget movie in the 80s. Uh, third copy is going to go in cult action. As silly as this movie is, as preposterous as this movie is, I think it would have a, or I think it does have a devoted following, a very small following, but I think there are some people who are very much into this. So I want to give them a shelf, uh, put it in cult action. David, this movie made me think of Deadly Prey uh, sometimes when we were watching it. Is is that where you stuck Deadly Prey into cult action? I believe I did. If if I hadn't invented the shelf yet, it certainly belongs there. Yeah, those two feel like movies that would pair well with each other. David, sometimes when I'm watching a movie, I think about all the work that goes into it. And I'm like, man, why do people bother? Like, just so much fucking work. It just seems almost discouraging. Like, wow, I could never direct a movie. I don't have what it takes to put the amount of work into this that uh, James Cameron put into Terminator 2, even though he wrote it in less than a year uh, or something like that. I feel like this movie is the opposite. I would create a shelf called like, you can do it. Or, <laughs> hey, you can do it too if they can. Because this movie, it, you, I watch it and it makes me like, man, I bet me and my friends, if we really put our shit together one summer, we could have made a Robot Jocks. Yeah, there you go. That's perfect. All right, Dave, now it's time to discover the position of Robot Jocks on Punch Mountain, the definitive ranking of action movies. David, currently at the summit, at the top of the mountain, we have the top six, which are Terminator 2, Judgment Day, Raid 2, The Matrix, Jurassic Park, Hard Boiled, and number six, It Is Speed. And down at the bottom, currently number 34, out in Siberia, right where the corpse of that one robot jock was. I don't even know if they recovered his body. It's the movie Chappie, directed by God of Action Editing, Mark Goldblatt. All right, David, before the mountains ranking is revealed, where would you put this movie? I'm reminded of your comments before we talked about Pacific Rim, where you were like, well, I had a problem with this. I had a problem with this. I had a problem with this. So what are we thinking? Number four, number five? <laughs> this movie is the exact opposite. I think about all the things that charmed me. I think about all the things that worked. You know, the broad characters, the stereotypes are a real problem, but this movie is going for a very broad kitty movie Saturday matinee kind of thing. But man, this thing's gonna go Poseidon Adventure territory. I'm not I'm ready for it. I don't mind. I, I had a fun 84 minutes, but this thing's kind of a chunk of shit in a glorious way. Yeah, this movie is like a day where it's like, oh man, I had an amazing time. And it's like, oh, you want to hang out again? It's like, oh, definitely not. But no, you are just a really great person. I had a lot of fun watching this. 
Is it going to rank highly? Oh, let's not kid ourselves. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I feel the same way. It, it, it's funny after filling out the middle and also the top with our recent Mountain Slayers picks. Mountain Slayers. It might be refreshing to see this one if it gets revealed all the way at the bottom. Oh, David, look out. Uh, those, those rocks are falling down. That Those rocks are falling from the face. They're actually falling pretty close to us because we're standing at the bottom. Yep, and sure enough, the rocks have fallen off the face of the mountain. The golden letters are appearing, revealing the position of Robot Jocks, and it is position number 33. So that means the bottom of the mountain is 31, Pasture 57, 32, Deadly Prey, 33, Robot Jocks, 34, Poseidon Adventure, and of course, the very bottom, 35, Chappie. Wow. That's funny, David, because the thing is, is if we think a movie's going to be bad, we're not going to watch it, right? Like, because we don't want to waste time <laughs> with a fucking bad movie. So look, 31, 32, 33, those five movies, with the exception of Chappie, I enjoyed all of them. Pastor 57, that one hurt a little bit because I wanted it to be so much better. Mm -hmm. But uh, I had a lot of fun watching this. But yeah, I, I feel like that ranking is appropriate. It tickles me to see it down there. I I'm just glad we watched it. I hope people discover it and never talk about it again. Oh, David, you hear that sound? That was the horn calling us to action. Because on this podcast, we talk a lot about fictional action heroes, but we also want to talk about real heroes taking action for vulnerable, underserved, or underrepresented communities. This month, we're spotlighting the Anti-Defamation League. A leading anti-hate organization, the ADL's timeless mission is to stop the defamation of the Jewish people and to secure justice and fair treatment to all. Today, ADL continues to fight all forms of anti-Semitism and bias using innovation and partnerships to drive impact. After each episode this month, Punch Mountain will be making a small donation to the Anti-Defamation League. Also, for every review we get on Apple Podcasts, we'll add $1 to our donation. And hey, if it's a good review, we'll probably read it on air. For more information on the Anti-Defamation League or to donate directly to them, visit ADL.org. Folks, that's going to do it for another episode of Punch Mountain. Don't forget to add us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Punch Mountain or drop us a line at punchmountain at gmail.com. MacBlakeComedy.com is your source for Mac stand-up. Next week, from the year 2000, directed by John Woo and starring Tom Cruise, it's Mission Impossible 2. It was the winner of our Mission Impossible Twitter poll. It's your fault, audience. <laughs> That's right. We'll suffer together. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.